0: Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for the blessing of this Lord's Day. We, Your people, have gathered in Your name to worship You. And we thank You for this short time where we are able to look at topics through Your Word, specifically in Proverbs, the book of wisdom that You have given us. And we pray, as James instructs us, to uh, ask for wisdom, and so we do. We pray that we would be a people of wisdom, a people who are indwelled and guided by your Holy Spirit, will look to your word, and that you will indeed give us the mind of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start by uh, apologizing. Um, I I don't always uh, go back and, and look at what I have Uh, uh, taught and and things of this nature, but I do try to to go through at least somewhat, I call it a post-mortem. Go through and look what I've done and then critique uh, areas uh, for improvement. And um, last week, I I used an expression um, that in reviewing it, I think came across uh, derogatory. Now, by the way, nobody has contacted me. I haven't received any famous emails or phone calls or anything like this, but just to be clear, Uh, and I'm I'm saying this not to be defensive, I truly mean this as an apology. When I went, duh, I didn't mean that to insult anyone. Um, But when I I, I watched it, I I realized that it it just, it was was insulting. And I, I, I didn't mean it that way. What I was trying to do is to be Humorous to, to be funny, um, and um, but I, I think when I watched it, it came across as unkind, and I didn't mean that. What I was simply trying to, to do is uh, be funny on a on a matter that's tough, and and the matter is that last proverb: the simple b- believes everything. And, and I just, I have found, and I quite candidly have just been shocked that good, intelligent, decent people, uh, especially in the age in which we live, have just believed the most ridiculous things. And I just think within the evangelical church, um, we are susceptible to gullibility. Uh, I've said before that I, I, I am continually amazed at just how gullible Uh, evangelical Christians are. It just seems that uh, we believe anything. And and if anything, we should be the opposite. Uh, Because we are a people of faith, but not that kind of faith. We're a people of faith who believe something of substance. Something that has been handed down to us from God, through the Holy Scriptures, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so, as a people of faith, we believe that which is true. That which is factual, that which is verified. Our God, in His infinite wisdom, gave us not one gospel, but four—a fourfold witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, if anything, we're a, we're a people uh, who uh, fact check and then fact-check some more, and then fact-check some more. And we're a people who, when we hear something that sounds outlandish, especially politically, we ought to go, you know, I'm just going to start out with not believing that. I'm not buying it. And then we ought to then check check and check and check and check and check and check and check. And then... Read and read and read and read and not use the TV or the Internet and understand information so that we're not gullible. That's what I was trying to convey last week. uh, And I guess I thought that, duh, just summed all that up. And and I don't think it did uh, at all. So anyway, see, there I go again. I'm trying to use it humorously. I'm going to critique myself again and I may not be here next week. Um OK, so let's move on um, from uh, gullibility to how, how may we avoid the pitfall of naivete and its consequences? In other words, the Proverbs introduces us this, this to this person, the simple, the fool, the simple ton. How do we avoid being that person? Well, I walked through the Proverbs from the first chapter moving all the way through, and here's what I came up with, and I found the first one remarkably interesting, and that is, first, let's start with repentance. Let's start with repentance. Now, the world would find this ridiculous. Uh, to say that we want to avoid being simple-minded would begin with repentance. But look at this proverb with me. Proverbs 1, Proverbs 1 verses 23 through 23, uh, 22 through 23. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Here's the key verse. If you turn at My reproof, behold, I will pour out My Spirit to you. I will make My words known to you. Now, the expression, if you turn at My reproof, is a Hebrew expression which is remarkably similar to the Greek word that we translate as repentance. Because repentance, literally translated, means to turn from sin. I'm headed towards sin or I have sinned. Or in this case of repentance, I have sinned and I turn from it. I remove myself from it physically, emotionally, spiritually, so forth and so on. And in this case, it is a, in a sense that the aspect of... Uh, of naivete and uh, a lack of godly knowledge. Knowledge of knowing God, knowing what God has revealed about Himself, knowing what God has revealed in His ways. All of this, the simple, is not to dwell on their simple. And, And this is a real encouragement for us for a couple of reasons. Number one, it tells us that if we are given to Being simple-minded, there is a way out. There is an alternative to being simple-minded. And secondly, it tells us that it starts by turning according to God's Word. Note the expression here. If you turn at my... what's the word there? Reproof. Reproof. Where does God's reproof come from? Ultimately, it comes from His Word. And so, as we are corrected, as God's Word confronts us, as God uses uh, different people in our lives who are faithful to God's Word, to use God's Word to speak into our lives, for example, like preaching and teaching, as God uses these and we take it in, we are to listen to that reproof and that is to lead us to turn from our simple-mindedness, our, sim, our, our, our simple ways. And by simple, keep in mind that is a contrast word. That word simple there is distinctly contrasted from the knowledge of God. Those are antonyms, we would say. The knowledge of God and the simple are antonyms and meant for us to draw attention to that. What would practically be some ways that we need to uh, think, or, or what are some practical ways that God's Word reproves us in our simple-mindedness? Yes? Well, I know you said that the Proverbs are not promises. And yet, that's part of that I don't want a promise. I will make my word stop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course, there are promises within the Proverbs. So I want to be clear there are promises within the Proverbs. The Proverbs themselves are not promises. And, um, but undoubtedly, when God says, I'll make my words known to you, I will pour out my spirit to you, how does God pour out His spirit to us and make His ways known to us? Through our repentance. So what are, what are some practical areas in which God's word confronts this simple-mindedness? What's that? He instructs, in he instructs us in righteousness. That's exactly right. We see in God's Word, He instructs us what righteousness is, and that confronts the sin in our lives. We turn from that sin and turn to God's righteousness, and uh, we are blessed by His, the presence of His Spirit and the faithfulness of His Word. What else? What are some other areas? Well, one is in knowledge itself, isn't it? The fact that that God has chosen to reveal Himself. Um, How many times have I struggled with something only to go to God's Word and find that the very thing that I was struggling with, God has been quite clear on, and God counsels us through His Word. And in that sense, that's a a kind of reproof, as if God's saying, Oh, John, you simple-minded one, if you would have gone to My Word in the first place or if you had gone to my word seeking and searching uh, to go there. I mean, you know, that's, and I encourage you in this in your own life as well. In, in, in my life, it's one of the reasons why I, I, I often will uh, craft my, my prayers from God's word. I mean, for example, many of you probably have picked up on this, but when I'm praying my pastoral prayer on Sunday mornings, um, it's not an exaggeration to say that 60% or more of that prayer are just direct quotations from Scripture. Um, so, if you're ever offended by any of my prayers, um, search for the Bible verses. Uh, but I'm quite capable of offending in my own words as well. But, but I've found in, in my public prayers, but also in my private prayers, um, I'm helped by being guided in, in my, my prayers by by God's word and that helps me because I need help save it to, to be saved from myself I need God's word to help direct me and so oftentimes that's a that's a helpful way. All right number two listening to the wisdom of the word of God. Listening to the wisdom of the word of God. And again, I realize these are, are connected, but Proverbs. I've got three Proverbs here for you. Proverbs one verses thirty-two through thirty-three. Whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Now, to put it in context, that's in that first chapter of Proverbs where wisdom's personified. So the so the I there is. Poetically speaking, that's wisdom speaking, right? Wisdom is personified there. I, wisdom, is saying in itself to you. Of course, we also know that Christ is the embodiment of the wisdom of God... And so we can trust that that can also be understood as the Word of Christ or the Word word of God. And so wisdom personified, so also the Word of God. Whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. This would be, to, to your point, J.D., this would be the opposite of that other clause. So kind of sounds like a promise. Not a promise because how many, of, how many people do we know who are faithful to listen to God's Word and encounter disaster within 45 seconds? Yeah, So, so we, we know that this is not a promise, but what's the general idea that, that the sage is conveying here? The one who listens to wisdom, the one who listens to the Word of God and listens is a, a metaphor for what? Not just listening, right? It's a, it's a metaphor for taking it in, right? Understanding it. Whoever takes God's Word in, understands it, then what's the rest of this, these, these two Proverbs teaching us regarding listening to the Word of God? That's right. That's right. Yeah, to a certain extent, there's hypo- hypo- poetic hyperbole here, right? We'll, we'll dwell secure, uh, we'll be at ease without dread of, of disaster. Well, that, that's that's hyperbole. Life is, in fact, full of disaster. There can be problems. But in general, what we find is that the one who listens to wisdom, the one who is faithful to God's Word, can, in fact, dwell secure by virtue of trusting God. I mean, you think about it this way. When Paul says in in Romans, just like I preached last Sunday, as far as it is up to you, be at peace with everyone. Uh, Meaning that it's not always going to be up to you. But, But as far as it's up to you, hear the Word of God, live at peace. Or as I'm preaching today in Romans chapter 13, I mean, God's sovereignty runs the gamut. There, there is no area of creation that God is not sovereign over. And so, while things, and, and we'll talk about this in greater detail today, in, or we won't talk about it, I'll be preaching on uh, today in Romans 13, there, there's, there are many things that I can get frustrated with uh, in, in my government. And yet, Paul teaches in Romans 13 that God's authority is the civil authority. They are synonymous in God's economy. And so I can trust that my God is, in fact, sovereign. And by virtue of that trust, I can dwell secure. I can be at ease. I can be without dread. And the key there is dread, not disaster. All of these words have to do with my emotions, don't they? So when I trust in God's Word and I trust in His infinite wisdom, I really can rest. Even if there's disaster around me, I really can rest in His sovereignty. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And that's one of the benefits to listening to God's Word. Now look at the second proverb I have there for you. Proverbs 8, 5 through 6. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear. For I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. Now, this is a second section in Proverbs in which wisdom is personified. So the I here is wisdom. Uh, and yet, again, as I have said before, as Christ is the embodiment of wisdom, we can rightly understand and, 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 and co- allow God's Word to also be coupled here with wisdom personified to say that God's wisdom, in fact, teaches. Now, note here, and, if, and, if, and I keep in mind that in, in the original language, in the original Hebrew, um, there, there is not the, the punctuation as we see it here. So this is, this is added as it's translated to English, then we add the, the punctuation to help us follow along and understand it. And, and if I were translating this, I would have put a colon after the word learn sense. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense, colon. And the reason I would have done that is because as I understand it and looking at the commentators on this, it seems as if that the sage here is saying, now if you are a simpleton, if you are given to foolishness, listen up. And, and, and what follows, as I understand it, is the answer for learning prudence and learning sense, which as the poet uses it here, are synonyms, conveying the same, same general idea. And what is it? Well, here. Again, here is a metaphor for what? Take it in. And don't just listen, but as James instructs us, don't just be a hearer, but a doer of the word. You have to internalize what I'm saying. So that's the metaphor there. For I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. Now, think about that. What What's being said there is... The sage, and again, this is wisdom personified, is teaching us that when we go to God's Word, that God's Word is teaching us noble things. Now, what's meant there by noble things? What is a noble thing? Good, right? Sort of like when the Apostle Paul is teaching in the church at at Philippi, you know, whatever is... And then he has a number of words to describe noble things. And then Paul says, think on these things, right? So the general idea here is is God's Word contains good things for our lives. And we go to God's Word, we look at these noble things, and then also... It teaches us God's Word, or here's again the, the metaphor of lips, wisdom's lips. The Word of God is teaching us right things. And this is one, one of the reasons why you've probably heard me say this in, in a sermon before, is be careful of arguing with God's Word. Um, I, have, I have friends that just feel like that it's their duty to read God's Word and have an argument back and forth, as if there's something there that's untrustworthy, and so they're being a studious person by arguing back and forth. Uh, well, well, that's a great way to stymie Christian growth. And, and really, it's a great way to just get right up next and comfortable with blasphemy. Uh, instead, when God's Word speaks and it's trustworthy, then we listen. And we don't just listen, but we look to God's Word for it to tell us what is noble, good, that which is right. And so God's Word guides us in this sense, and so we are to listen. Thirdly, Proverbs chapter 9, three verses here, 4 through 6. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Okay, now pause there for just a second, so context, um, because this is really a a beautiful picture. Um, So you're on the road, and it's been a long day's journey, and this is before cars, you're probably walking, and you've been walking a long way, and what you need is you need an inn to stay in. You need somewhere where you can bathe and you can rest from your long day's journey. Well, that's a great picture of the wisdom of God. Because we move along our paths in this life and we get dirtied by all of the things that are the opposite of wisdom. And what we need is a good place to turn in. To get off the path to turn in. And this is the idea here, poetically. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Come on in here to this inn. To him who lacks sense... She says, now, now wisdom is personified with a female pronoun, right? She says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. An insight there is another Hebrew word that's used synonymously with wisdom, as it's also often used in uh, synonymous with knowledge. What's the general idea of this turning off the path and turning in? How do we find refreshment in this food? How do we find refreshment in this mixed wine? How do we uh, find this? Well, just as we trust in God's provision, for our daily needs. Indeed, we pray for our daily bread. So also we trust in the Lord for His provision for insight and wisdom and knowledge. And so it's to God that we go, not the world, We don't go to the world to find out what wisdom is. We don't go to the world to have it define what wisdom is, but rather we go to God, we go to His Word, and in His Word we consistently find this refreshment, just like an inn at the end of a long day's journey. So, how do we avoid the pitfall of naivete and consequences? First of all, repent of our simple ways Second of all, listen to the Word of God. Listen to His wisdom conveyed. And thirdly, practice prudence. Practice prudence. Now, oftentimes in my outlines, I've said there's no particular order that I'm teaching this in because I'm going from the beginning of uh, Proverbs and just walking my way through it. Um, But actually, in in this outline, uh, I think there is some merit to looking at the order of what I'm teaching today. Uh, Because really, it's difficult to listen to the wisdom of God if I've not turned From my foolish ways. And it's very difficult to practice prudence if I'm constantly arguing with God instead of taking in and listening to what He says. So let's look together at this proverb, these two proverbs. The first one, 14 18. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. And then the second proverb, 22.3, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Now, these may seem uh, unrelated. I want to show you where uh, I understand they are related. But let's start, first of all, with understanding the language. The, the sage here poetically uses the word inherit. What does it mean, the simple inherit folly? Why, why the word inherit? What's inherit mean? Why would he employ that word here? Yeah, yeah, it's not something that you necessarily worked for. It, it comes, right? And where does it come from? It comes from ignorance, right? But can it also come from what? What? I don't think the sage means here that it's handed down from generation to generation. Although there's plenty of verses where we can make that case. So to be clear, uh, 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 foolishness can be <laughs> passed down. But but to be faithful to this verse, there, there's nothing in the language or context that would that would lead us to make that interpretation. But I think that the poet is, is the sage is poetically using the word inherit here that not only is it not something that the poet has to work at and think at, but it's part of who they are. In other words, they have so consistently been simple, they have so consistently been foolish, that it's just part of what flows down to them and through them and out of them. Yeah, J.J.? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So let's move on to that second clause so we can draw. If you couldn't hear of J.J., what he said is, is that there is a, a comparison and contrast between the word inherit and crown. In a regal sense, a crown is passed down. Uh, the, the son would have inherited the crown from... Uh, His father, the king. Keep in mind, incidentally, that we are talking about initially the original uh, readers of the Proverbs were more than likely the royal class of young men within the kingdom. So this would make a lot of sense. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Okay, so who are the prudent? We've already talked about who the simple are. I think we've got that down. Who are the prudent? All right, studious, but it just book learning? Okay. What are they studious in? Books and life lessons. Okay, books and life lessons, right? What else? Who are these prudent? Yeah. That's exactly right. In fact, you almost felt like you could just go on and on with descriptions, didn't you? I mean, in general, the prudent is the one who lives according to the wisdom of God, practically. They don't just know it. They live it out, and it shows because in their actions, they make wise decisions, and they carry out those by virtue of the wisdom that God gives. And as J.J. pointed out, then the sage is incorporating this, the folly of the simple is passed down, so to speak, to themselves, but the prudent are crowned as a glorious inheritance with knowledge. And the general uh, term knowledge here, uh, as we've studied before, means the knowledge of God. Then the second verse... No, undoubtedly. Yeah, I mean, we all live by virtue of, of the consequences in which we live. Some were some, some great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, the consequences of the simple, the consequences of the fool uh, by virtue of what they have foolishly done. That's good. That's good. Proverbs 22.3, The prudent, so now we've got the, note the rearrangement here. The prudent now is in the first clause. Simple is going to be in the second. The prudent sees danger and hides himself. But the simple go on and suffer for it. Well, gosh, it makes the prudent sound like a coward. Is the prudent a scaredy cat? He sees something that's dangerous and he just hides himself. Is that what the, the sage means? <laughs> yeah, it's not a point of cowardice, is it? What does it what does it mean that that he sees danger and and by the way there's there's something to be said there as well, but what does it mean he sees danger and hides himself? Avoid he avoids it, right? So, first of all, there's the point of recognition. And this goes back to our conversation about naivety. We as Christians need to develop the discipline. This doesn't come naturally, by the way. We need to develop the discipline of seeing danger. It's kind of like what I was talking about in in the last section on on gullibility. We train ourselves. We discipline ourselves. We discipline the way that we think. We discipline what we take in. And in this case, we discipline ourselves to be able to recognize that is dangerous, right? Right? It's like the example I gave either last Sunday or the Sunday before. It's only the fool that sees something that that they are susceptible to that would lead them to sin and say, you know, I'm just going to walk right up to it, but that's it. I'm just going to go right next to that sin, but not engage in it. The prudent sees danger, which means that they recognize it. And then secondly, it hides themselves. And the hiding there is not a point of cowardice. In fact, it is a point of wisdom and discernment, or as the word says, prudent or prudence. They hide themselves to avoid that which is dangerous. But the simple go on and suffer for it. Why does the simple go on? I mean, if danger's danger, right? So if it's dangerous, wh- why, why do they go on? Dumb. Huh? Dumb. Yeah, exactly. well they are. They're, they're, they're dumb, if you couldn't hear what Randy said. They're, they're dumb, meaning it's dangerous, they don't even recognize it. Or, they're so caught up in their simple-minded ways that they don't even have the ability to discern it. How many of us We'll we'll take this off ourselves and think about uh, perhaps loved ones. How many of us have loved ones that we have watched go down paths of danger? And we see it, and everybody else around around them sees it, and yet they just keep on heading in the dangerous direction. And... Quite candidly, if you've experienced what I have, you can't talk them out of it. They seem bent on going that way. And what does the proverb say? It says they suffer for it as a result, as a consequence to JD's point of their simplicity or their folly. you think emotions they're yielding to their emotions. emotions here, but of what our well, undoubtedly. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, that's a really good point in that uh, a, 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 per, a Christian of wisdom cannot be someone who's a slave to their emotions. It's like I said to a young man, uh, I think it was a year or two ago, it, he, he kept talking about, you know, well, this is my struggle, and this is my struggle, and this is my, my, my struggle. And, and I, I said to him, I, I said, um, You sound like a victim. And you sound like somebody that is a slave to your emotions. Uh, stop being a slave to your emotions. Learn some discipline in your life because you just sound like a weenie. And I said that to him, and, and I, I, he's not a part of this church, but uh, hopefully not watching this video, but he'd probably chuckle because uh, I was sort of trying to get his attention. You know, stop sounding like a victim and start practicing discipline in your life. And part of that discipline, to your point, is, is that we have to stop being a slave to our emotions. Yeah. So, and I think you're right. It doesn't say that here, but that could certainly be a practical aspect of it. Number four, receive correction. Receive correction. Note here that this is not talking to us who issue correction. You could say the prudent give correction or so forth and so on. But in this sense, we are the receivers of it. Strike a, I'm reading from Proverbs 19.25. "'Strike a scoffer, and the simple will learn prudence. Reprove a man of understanding, and he will gain knowledge.'" Now, there, there are a number of different factors uh, that I don't have enough time to draw your attention to, but I'll just hit the, the high points. First of all, uh, whether it's it's literally or metaphorically, I'm going to go with metaphorically. Um, the striking of a scoffer, um, while I suppose could involve punching, punching, more than likely is metaphorical, right? To strike a scoffer, the scoffer is some... Who is the scoffer? I know it's the one who scoffs, but fill in the blanks for me a little bit. Who is the scoffer? It, it, it's someone who pushes back about the ways of God, right? God, God's, God's Word says this, ha, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the 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 uh, and you probably have already heard this before, but but I've already heard people say in regards to uh, the decision from the Supreme Court this week on Roe v. Wade. Uh, I've already had a friend say, "Well, there it is, more uh, more disobedience of separation of church and state." And I'm like, "Huh, man, that that but it's it's a, sc- a scoff." scoffing at, at, at this as if, ah, well, there's the church intermingling in this secular business of our of our country. Well, to strike a scoffer then is to do what? Is, is to correct them. Right? It's not advocating violence. It's saying you correct that scoffer, the one who pushes back against the ways of God, and who learns. no the sage now introduces another word, not scoffer. The simple learn. Now, there are a couple of ways that commentators will interpret this. And I'll move quickly through this. First of all, this scoffer could be the exact same person. The simple, meaning a simple person scoffs. It could mean that. The other possibility is, is that when a scoffer is reproved, even those people, this is my interpretation, as, as I hold to the second one as well, is that the simple look and they go, huh, yeah, I need to learn from that. I need, I need to learn from someone else being struck, so to speak. And so it is a benefit. And, and we think about this in the, in the sense of, of justice, um, justice benefits a civilization not just for the one who receives the, the discipline, right? A, a nation is benefited in justice in that the whole country sees it and goes, wow, that's just. That, that, that is justice prevailing in a civilization. So strike a scoffer and the simple will learn prudence, reprove a man of understanding and he will gain knowledge, Well, not equivalent, but they're, they, they both are capable of doing the same. That's right. That's right. We could say they're synonyms, but not identical synonyms. You, that's, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, so this is all... And again, this is where you, we have to remove ourselves from defining terms and follow the poetry. The sage is employing poetry, which means scoffer, simple, fool, insert, they all mean the same thing. He's just using them as a poetic device to teach us a general principle and that's what he's doing here and what does he teach us about the person of understanding which is who we want to be, by the way, right? Is that you don't have to strike a man of understanding. A simple reproval will confront him and what does he do with it? He doesn't sulk away like a victim, He takes it, He internalizes it, He gains wisdom from it, which is what it means to uh, gain knowledge here. And then finally, because we are out of time, is we learn from others' mistakes. We learn from others' mistakes. I told all three of my kids, I said, I promise it goes a lot better for you if you watch other people make mistakes and correct than being the one who makes the mistake, right? And that's exactly what the the sage is teaching us in 21.11. When a scoffer is punished, the simple become wise. When a wise man is instructed, he gains knowledge. And again, I'm taking the interpretation that the simple is a broad Uh, grouping as opposed to just the one person. But again, it's the idea of justice here. When justice occurs, even the simple becomes wise because they see this is what happens. If you do this crime and if our government will be faithful to issue this punishment, the country will go, aha, that's what happens when you do this crime, so forth and so on. The same thing applies uh, to our sins as well. And then when a wise man is instructed, notice that he's not being punished, but rather it's the positive. It's different than the previous proverb. He's instructed, meaning that He doesn't have to be reproved. He doesn't have to be corrected. He is proactively seeking to gain knowledge, and by virtue of that, he's blessed by that seeking. He's instructed, and he gains knowledge. We're completely out of time. Let me pray for us. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we seek to be a people of wisdom, and we seek to be uh, those who are prudent, and You have graciously redeemed us by our Lord Jesus Christ who is wisdom embodied. You have given us Your Holy Spirit to not only enable and empower us to be faithful in obedience to You, but so also to live in Your wisdom and knowledge. And so we pray that as we look to Your Word and are taught that we'd not merely be hearers but doers. O oh Lord, may Your Holy Spirit... Develop in us the disciplines of godliness and let us be a people who are wise unto Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.